Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit uroom.org. Well, it's Upper Room, so Pentecost needs to be a big deal. Uh, we have a lot to live up to. Um, you know, you, you don't really think about it when you name your church Upper Room, but Pentecost comes around and you're like, wow, the significance of Pentecost in a room um, and what happened in that place. And uh, I do believe we're, 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 we're believing that the Lord is going to pour out. He is pouring out his spirit and it's going to in, only increase. And I think many times when we think of Pentecost, we think of a group of people in a room crying out in one accord for the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, what I've seen happen over the last eight weeks in my life, and I've seen it happen in many of your lives, is uh, people experiencing personal Pentecost. Everyone say personal Pentecost. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but for me, um, I can think of seasons in my life where I've had uh, personal encounters with the Holy Spirit that have just marked me. And I can look back in 2005, 2008, 2011, um, this year, many of you have heard I had an encounter with the Lord in this room that um, still, it's just wrecked me, it's undone me, I got rewired. Uh, and these, these moments where we encounter Holy Spirit personally and what it does to an individual, your life is marked and you're never the same. Uh, I, I grew up uh, in church and um, I, I had heard of Holy Spirit heard mention of Holy Spirit, but I did not know Holy Spirit. And, and Holy Spirit, he's more than power. Uh, Holy Spirit's more than fruit. He's more than gifts. Holy Spirit is a person uh, that has a being. He has a soul. He has feelings. He has, he, has, he has a will. He has a mind. The Holy Spirit is God. <laughs> we can't overemphasize Holy Spirit because you can't overemphasize God. And if you're overemphasizing Holy Spirit, it means you're probably overemphasizing Jesus and overemphasizing the Father, and you can't overemphasize any of them, can you? So we, we celebrate and love Holy uh, Spirit. And, um, and, and for me, um, I, I want to share a little bit of my story, just so um, I just, it's what I have is to give, is what he's done in my life, and then maybe push play on a couple of people I know in the room that are in the midst of, right now, a personal Pentecost. And uh, I know some of you um, are going through things. And if you're going through, if you're, if you're in apathy, if you're depressed, if you're in doubt, if you're in sin, if your life isn't looking like you thought it would, I want you to know that you are a prime candidate for a personal Pentecost. The people that... The people that the people that were in the upper room, the, the original 120, they were scared. They had no idea what they were doing. They thought they might be next <laughs> to be hung on a cross. It says that they were locked up, shut in, fearful. And all they knew was to sit in that room and wait, but they had no idea what was about to happen. And if you're in a place where you have no idea what's about to happen, I want you to know you're in the right place because the Lord can do something in your life and, in an, and suddenly of a moment. And those and suddenlies, they're, 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 yes, the miraculous can happen. Yes, gifts can come. But the and suddenlies are this revelation of God, of the living God presenting himself to you. And something changes. I had a dream um, back when I was, I was actually uh, OCD, filled with anxiety, like I've got documentation for it. Um, I mean, I was a prime candidate for an encounter with the Lord, and during the season I was also, well, so that was what was happening medically, and then spiritually I was in um, seminary, so I don't know if they <laughs> correlated, but um, I was going through a lot. And, uh, and there was an elder that took me to a meeting that was similar to this, just where people really valued and honored Holy Spirit and allowed him to move. And, uh, and someone prophesied over my life for the first time. And, um, and, and I remember falling down just in tears saying, God is really among you, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says that you'll prophesy to the unbelieving or ungifted and they'll fall on their face, bow down and worship and exclaim, God is really among you. And that had happened. And it was like four days later or in that season, I don't know if it was like four days later, but, but in that season, I had a dream. Um, and in the dream, I was, I was walking in a field. 
and this field was uh, power line to power line to power line to power line, and, uh, and I was following these, this, these power lines that were, um, it was like an easement of sorts, and the last pole was leaning on this white building, which, which was a church I knew in my dream. And as, as I saw this pole, it fell off from the church, fell off from the church, and the transistor that was on this uh, electricity pole, it blew up, and this substance flew from the electricity pole onto my eyes, and it burned, it burned my eyelids in my dream. And I remember it was the weirdest thing in my dreams. I was attempting to close my eyes, but even though my eyes were closed, I could still see. Even though my eyes were closed, I could still see. And, and, and it was a great picture of what was about to happen to me spiritually. Because when the Holy Spirit started revealing himself to me in power, started revealing himself as a person, started doing things in my life, it was as if I could never close my eyes to the things of the Spirit. Again, everything would be different for me from that day forward. And I knew that it may be costly. I knew that people may misunderstand me. I knew that I, I may not fit in the place I was at and leading. It, just, it was this renovation of my heart, renovation of my mind, but also a renovation of my life because the Lord was telling me I'm coming to take over. And so this week, it, what happened there in the... Uh, spirit and what's taking place since. I had LASIK surgery on Friday. Now, how many of you have had corrective LASIK surgery on your eyeballs? Oh my gosh, not nearly enough of you. <laughs> it is the craziest experience ever. Um, it took 10 minutes. I actually have a, a clip of it. It's the, it's the GPG rated. There's a nasty version of like them lifting my eyelid and like the laser coming, but do you have that, Ben? It's rocking. My wife was in the, they had this camera and you could see it. That's my eyeball. And that's the doctor. And this is kind of at the end, I believe, but um, this laser had just come over my eye that was a map of my eye and within like, it was like uh, a minute or so, these lasers hit my eye and totally reframed and reshaped my eye. That's me getting up. It, 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 I should have played the, the PG-13 version. Um, but, but I got up and literally, 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 I opened my eyes and I could see 2020. I'm not, I've worn corrective lenses since I was 13. I could not see from me to the middle row. Now I can see my dad sitting in the back and I'm really glad you're here, dad. What's up? <laughs> like I can see him. I'm not wearing anything. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that they can put a laser in my eyeballs, reshape my eyeballs, and now I can see. It's, it's, it's crazy. Now, I know it happened to me and I'm really excited. You're like, dude, what? That's what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> An encounter with the Holy Spirit, it comes and it just reframes and reshapes the way you see your life. And we were created to continually, perpetually live lives where we're encountering Holy Ghost, encountering Holy Spirit. Uh, the first, the first uh, proclamation of the gospel in, in Acts chapter 2, if you sum up Acts chapter 2 in Peter's sermon, it's summed up in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 32 and uh, 33, he says, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise, what? The promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth, which you both, what? You see it and you hear it. So the first proclamation of the gospel wasn't just something that people heard, it was actually something that they saw with their eyes. Paul would say in Romans chapter 15, he, he would say, Romans 15, verse 18, he says, I, I will not presume to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Everyone say word, word. and deed. Verse 19, in the power of signs and wonders and in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So the power of the Holy Spirit always accompanied the proclamation of the gospel. It superseded the mind. It superseded reason and ration and intellect. It actually confounded the wise. It made them foolish. And I just believe that we need to stop leaning on our own understanding and come back to a dependence upon Holy Spirit, both in word and in deed. And if we have not experienced Holy Spirit in our lives, I want you to know you're in the right place. But we need to settle. We've settled. We've settled. We've settled. There is more for us as his people. We have access to the fullness of God by Holy Spirit. It's so important. It's so very important. Galatians 3, Paul warns them. Galatians 3, 1 through 5, he says, You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you or who has deceived you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by works of law or the hearing with faith. He was saying that the Spirit of God has authored something in you, and the Spirit of God is faithful to continue it and complete it. Yes. We need the Holy Spirit. I've watched a man, I want to bring him up, and then I, I've, I want to. I'll talk about Holy Spirit if there's time. I have a lot to share about him. But I wanted to bring Ray up. Would you come up, man? This is my buddy Ray. Uh, how many of you know Ray? Ray is awesome. Something's not right with Ray either. Uh, and Ray's just been experiencing a personal Pentecost. I've watched it. Ray's been a leader in the city of Dallas. He's been an elder at at least one church that I know of. Uh, him and his wife have been coming to the upper room for uh, a few months, and I've just been watching uh, the fruit of Ray's life, which is abundant, the people that he's ministering to, but I've been also watching the Holy Spirit move and minister to Ray. So I just wanted to push play on his heart. I didn't know I was going to do this, uh, which is pretty common, um, but I just wanted to push play on your heart about what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life, man. Uh, I'm going to apologize on the front end because I'm just messed up right now. Uh, I can't stop crying. Uh, you know, I've been uh, crying out for more. And I feel like I'm in, the, you know, when two rivers come together, there's a convergence. And coming to the upper room, and I'm also involved, I can't even talk, uh, involved with uh, Revive Texas. We do the inner healing deliverance for them. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of expectation for what was going to happen. You know, and some of those got met, some of them they didn't. I've been on this emotional roller coaster ride, and I just keep crying out. And uh, last Sunday night, it's pretty funny, my grandson was here, and I started getting touched. And I didn't want to shut it down, but I didn't want to freak him out, so I, I tried to come up front where I could kind of get away from him. And the whole front was lined up, so I just stepped around and I laid down, I started getting touched, and I thought, man, I am too close to the pulpit right now. But he just started wrecking me, and then Michael started praying over me, and uh, I just got overwhelmed. And it started just releasing something more in me. Uh, part of me needed to die. Part of that process has been going for a long time. And I think God finally put his finger on that thing in a, in a real way that I had no power to do. And as I prayed for people this week, the, the power that was being released was crazy. Uh, we're watching just gifts be released in people. Uh, at the end of the sessions, I always pray for a baptism or filling of the Spirit, gifts being released. There's, just, there's, a, there's a power that's flowing through right now that's higher than where I've been. So I was putting it in my mouth. And then last night, uh, it's time to revive. Um, Someone uh, spoke in tongues, and we had an interpreter. And uh, as she started to speak, I just started bending over double crying. And the interpretation was all about uh, Israel. 
And part of time to revise mission is to go to Israel, to, to take a team and go to Israel. And I just got wrecked for about an hour and a half. I'm still messed up. I'm not usually called to intercession. He's done it a few times. And he had me just weeping for Israel. Uh, and everybody was lost, but especially Israel. I've never had that before. Mm. He started uh, re revealing things about my, my destiny, uh, the stuff he's going to start doing, and I'm just overwhelmed right now. Yeah. I just want to encourage, if you're afraid, because you don't want to look like me right now, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You know, I, I think we, we let the enemy steal from us by you know, fear and, and things we don't understand. And yeah. I just want to say, you know, God says if you ask for a loaf, he's not going to give you a stone. Yeah. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion. I think some people have this idea, if I open myself up to this, you know, is the demonic going to creep in? You've got a promise from God. You've got an insulated pipeline from heaven. And you want this. You just want it. Even if it looks ridiculous to you, you want yeah. it. You just do. And so I just want to encourage you just to open yourself up. And before you criticize or get afraid of something, ask somebody what God's doing. Yeah. Um, can I tell one more little thing? Of course. Um, this the first time that really happened to me as an intercessor. And again, it just is very random. I'm not a typically, you know, I, I do the inner healing and deliverance stuff. We were in Tupelo. It's time to revive. And Kyle felt the Holy Spirit say that we were supposed to go into an extended time of worship. And he said, just whatever you need to do, get on the floor, whatever you need to do. And the Holy Spirit told me to go up and lay up front by the, by the podium. I think there's a theme going here. I just recognized it. <laughs> and uh, I laid there, and he said, I want you to weep for the people at Tupelo. I had nothing. I'm like, if you want me to weep, you're going to have to give it to me. And all of a sudden, I just started, like, boohooing. And I just started shaking violently and crying. And some of it, he was breaking off fear of man because I didn't like that. I didn't like being up front, shaking and crying. You know, I grew up thinking, you're, you know, the culture I grew up in, you know, you're supposed to be John Wayne, and God makes me cry in front of everybody. It's not fun. So I go up there and lay on the floor, and I am just shaking and crying. And then about that time, Kyle gets up. He's about this close where I was at to speak. And I start to get up, and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't get up. I'm like, I got in an argument with God. I, I can't lay up here and do this. And he said something to me that, that whew, it changed me. He said, give me your dignity. And I laid up there and I cried and I shook the whole time. And that's what he wants from a lot of us. We've got this idea that God's a gentleman, that he, I don't know what Bible you're reading if you think that, but um, uh, he he just messes us up to yeah. shake off all of the stuff that the enemy has got us in bondage. We have this idea that freedom means I get to do whatever I want. What Jesus means by freedom is you're not in bondage to anything. Uh, I think some of us are in bondage to our dignity. We don't wow. want God to mess us up. Yeah, you do. You really do. You really do. That's a good word. I, I think it's really true. Um, you know, it's, I can, I can think of, uh, I can think of the thing that I've been most uh, misunderstood um, from friends that have seen the trajectory of my life when they look at my life they haven't understand this part of it. And, and what's amazing is most of them, they've journeyed with us enough that they've seen the fruit of our lives, my wife and I. And it's like they don't understand it until they do. <laughs> and and that, that season of someone not understanding you until they do 
it is so worth the until they do. And as a community of faith, I know a lot of times, even the upper room, I've read about it. I've gotten emails about it, (laughs) about people that don't understand. But I know, I know that there's people in this room, and I'm one of them, that eventually it was, there was that moment until I did. And it wasn't, it wasn't something that I could learn, although I studied and pursued, and I mean, I wanted to be, and I am a man of the word, I love the word of God, but it's something that's, it, we use this term, it's, it's caught, it's encountered, and your mind enjoys it later. <laughs> Bill Johnson says, you know, the mind makes a a great servant, but a horrible master. And many of us, our dignity is our understanding. And and so, uh, you know, many times God has presented himself in packages that I wouldn't choose. In fact, the preacher that impacted my life the most is a guy that actually offended me the most. He wasn't, and I'm about to say he wasn't a very good preacher, Obviously, he was because he transformed my life um, because of some of the things that he imparted to me. But many times, God will hide himself in a package that we would not choose so that we can discern and see him through the midst of our understanding, if that makes sense. Are you following me? Um, and so the Holy Spirit, this is, this is, this is how he works. He's... he's we're in relationship with him. And so we don't, you know, I think one of the things that I, I have been warned about by the Lord is that you get in a rhythm with the Lord and he comes in a certain way so you can sing various songs and you can create certain settings for the Holy Spirit to come. But it's not a method. It's not a formula. It's a relationship because there's times where what worked yesterday doesn't work today. He's actually moved to the right and I'm still going straight. And so it keeps you dependent upon this voice so that today if you hear his voice, you don't harden his heart, your heart. And so Holy Spirit's amazing. Um, I feel like I I just want to talk about him a little bit uh, and just just tell you who he is. Um, Are you leaving me, Ray? I just, I just love you right here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll just keep the mic hot and and just hop on here if you want. Is that cool? Yeah, cool. You you are red, bro. Fire. Oh, that's so funny. I love you, man. But we should be warned that um, we're in the dispensation of the Spirit. Uh, What dispensation means, it means to disperse something. It means to give out something. And theologically, there's dispensations. There's the dispensations of the law and the prophets. Um, That's the Old Testament. It's a revelation of sin, and it's a revelation of the, the Father and the righteousness and justice of God, and, and it's all pointing to the revelation of the Son. That was the dispensation of the Son. Um, and the Son came, and, and, and Jesus was the exact representation of God. If you have any question about God this morning, look at the man Jesus. If you can't find it in the man Jesus, if you can't see it in his life, then then, then remove it from God. <laughs> Jesus is the exact representation. He is the icon of God. You know, you know the icon on your computer, your desktop, you click on it, and it opens up to the World Wide Web. You get through to the, to the web through the icon that is on your screen. Jesus is God's icon. If you want to know God, you just click on Jesus, and it opens up this arena of who God is. That's, that's, we get, we get the exact representation in Hebrews chapter one, verse four. It's actually the Greek word where we get icon from. And so Jesus is God's icon. He was the dispensation. But, but lest we be warned that the, the people of God in those dispensations, they rebelled against the law and they murdered the prophets. And the dispensation of God's icon They were indignant towards him. They hated him to the point that they tried him as a criminal, flogged him, crucified him, and murdered him. 
And if you don't think you would have been one of them, then you need a revelation of the sin that's inside of you. (laughs) We would have been in that crowd yelling, crucify him. Everyone left him to die on a cross. So Jesus is resurrected and then he pours out his spirit. And that spirit, it regenerates us. It makes us new. It gives us a new heart. We're not deceitful and wicked any longer. We've been made new by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the washing of the Holy Spirit. He does a work, the Holy Spirit, that laser of God. It, oh my God, I can see something's changed, something's different. We're now the righteousness of God. All of this is the work of Holy Spirit, yes? But we need to be careful that we don't relegate him or, or demote him or put him on a plane that the Bible does not put him on. Uh, And we do that with dispensations. We need to celebrate this dispensation and see that God is moving on the earth through his chosen being that is Holy Spirit on the earth today. And that that being is a person. Uh, Jesus would introduce him in the Upper Room Discourse. Of, Of all the texts that I've read in the last seven years of Upper Room, because we are Upper Room, I just hammer through weekly the Upper Room Discourse. It's John 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's the red letters in your Bible. It's some of the most uh, awesome things that you can sit and study, and there's so much revelation about Jesus, Holy Spirit, and the Father, and the relationship and communion they have in, in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And 16 times in three chapters, Jesus mentions Holy Spirit. I've actually, I've got a ton of text. So if you have notes, get your phone out or something. I'm gonna gonna give you some scriptures. Um, Oh my gosh, I can actually see those words. I've never been able to see that. Oh my gosh, I'm having a personal Pentecost. I once was blind, but now I see. Okay, Um, so John 14, 16, it says, he... Everyone say he. He He may be with you forever. This is speaking of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17. The world cannot receive, but you know because abides in you and will be with you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things, will testify about me, Jesus. The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send. And, And he, when comes, but when the Spirit of truth comes, will guide you, will not speak on own initiative, but whatever hears will speak and will declare. 16 times does Jesus refer to Holy Spirit as a person, as a him, a he. This is so insightful. And I started thinking, well, it's so hard for us because Holy Spirit doesn't have a, a body like he, he doesn't come in the form of flesh. So what makes him a him? And, and so I was just converse, conversing with the Lord, and the Lord was like, Lord, what, what makes him him? Why is he a him? And, and I said, well, he has life. There's life in Holy Spirit. And, and the Lord was, he was like, okay, yes, that's true, but there's life in a tree. There's life in a tree. And I like, what's the difference between a tree and the Holy Spirit? I'm like, well, there's got to be something different because we don't call the Holy Spirit He. So what's different? And all of a sudden, I started, I, I just, the Lord started revealing to me that the Holy Spirit actually has a soul. That to be a person, you have to have a soul. A soul is a mind, a will, and an emotion. So the Holy Spirit, as an entity, has a soul. He has a mind. He has a will. He has an emotion. I'll, I'll show it to you. In, in Romans 8, 27, the Holy Spirit has a mind. It, it says you have the mind of the Spirit. It actually talks about the mind of the Holy Spirit and what it is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, this is an awesome scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How do you have the mind of Christ? Yeah, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of what? How do we have the mind of Christ? We have the mind of Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know, you, you hear of the O's, God's uh, uh, omnipresent, God's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, but he's also omniscient. And omniscient means all what? Knowing. So, so the Holy Spirit, get this, just building your faith that the Holy Spirit lives within you. He has a mind, and that mind is all-knowing. 
It's all knowing. You know, the, the Holy Spirit does not have, we talk about an, an intelligent quotient, an IQ, like we measure someone's intelligence. Do you know that, 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 that there is no measurement for Holy Spirit? <laughs> that his knowledge is immeasurable, that he knows all things? And that that one lives in you, and the Bible says that you have that mind inside of you. That means you're pretty smart. Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a will. Everyone say will. Uh, there's several examples I could give. Uh, Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This was them deciding. They could sense the Holy Spirit's desire, his will. Uh, Acts 16, 6, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, this was when Paul wanted to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit was saying, no, you cannot go to Asia. It was as if the Holy Spirit was expressing his will because he was living within them and they knew what to do, what not to do. And I think the most common question that I get from believers is what's God's will for my life? Like many of us, what, God, what is, what is your will for me? And the beautiful thing, what I'm learning about Holy Spirit, being the will of God inside of me is the Holy Spirit's will is for me to be free. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit has said yes to everything until he says no. <laughs> Meaning there's just like, like the Holy Spirit, I used to think that following God was like this. Like, like I don't want to displease him, I don't want to miss him, I don't, it's like, Oh, should I or shouldn't I? And I'm realizing that the Holy Spirit inside of me, God's will is a playground for my life as I'm submitted to him. As I'm submitted, as I'm submitted and under and like before him and like, Lord, I love you, I'm pursuing you, I'm passionately after you, all of a sudden my desires start to line up with him. The Bible actually says in Psalm 34, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So as you're submitted and going after him, like many of us just have this massive green light and he's saying, go, go, go where? Just go. Go outside, go, go, go to the store, like just watch and see what I'm going to do. And it's these little bitty yeses, I was talking about this week, these little bitty yeses create massive doors of opportunity. Like the things where I've discovered God's will like over time, many times I see and I look back and I realize, wow, this little decision right here opened up this enormous opportunity. Do you know that everyone got in this room one way? Today, because of one thing, none of you thought about it till now, but we all got in this room because of a hinge. There are little bitty hinges on those doors that open up access to a new place. And I believe that there's hinges in your life, little bitty decisions that you're making that are the will of God, whether it's to love the least of these, to see the person that you're checking out with. It's just these little bitty things that are opening up this massive door because you're being led by Holy Spirit. You want to know what the will of God is? The will of God is simple. The will of God is not complicated. The will of God is not this crazy mathematic formula of algorithms that you're trying to figure out how to follow God. Delight yourself in Jesus and watch the Holy Spirit inside of you birth desires and give you eyes to see things that you could not see. It's so simple. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, it says, I'm, I'm afraid some of you have been deceived as Eve was deceived by the serpent. And it actually talks about witchcraft or being manipulated or being contrived by the serpent. He said, you've forsaken simplicity and purity in devoting yourself to Jesus. It's simple and it's pure. And it looks a lot like a hundred people last night at 1 a.m. in this room, I was here, and man, it was this celebration of devoting ourselves to Jesus, delighting ourselves in Jesus. It's not a sermon. It's not a service. It's a heart postured before him that's encountering his will and his desires. So the Holy Spirit has a mind, the Holy Spirit has a will. And the Holy Spirit has emotions. These are my, this is my favorite aspect of Holy Spirit, uh, is, are the emotions 
of Holy Spirit. He has a lot of emotions. He's not, he is emotional. Oh my gosh, I was gonna say, we think emotions are bad. They're not. In fact, if you don't have a lot of emotions, something probably bad has gone on. (laughs) That's the first thing to shut down. And I'm not driven by my emotions, I'm driven by faith and I walk by faith, but as I walk by faith, man, I'm super emotional. I'm not afraid to be emotional. And the Holy Spirit, God has, 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 has made himself available in such a way that we can affect his emotions and he can affect ours. That's what grieve means. In, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, Ephesians is a beautiful book. It's a uh, Watchman Nero book um, called Sit, Walk, Stand. I, I really encourage you to read it if you're like new in the Bible and wanting to know more, especially about the book of Ephesians. Sit, you're seated in Christ, you're walking with Christ, you're standing in warfare. It's the three postures of Ephesians. And Ephesians 4 is walking with God. And Ephesians 4 is sandwiched with do's and do nots. It's just these things about forgiveness and watching your tongue and walking in purity. But in the middle of that, it says, do not grieve Holy Spirit. Because there's things that we do that affect our relationship with Holy Spirit. It does not mean that Holy Spirit leaves us. It does not mean Holy Spirit. It's just he, he, has, he has made himself where we can actually break fellowship or intimacy with him because of decisions that we make. He's a dove. He's sensitive. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he would say, what fellowship do light and darkness have? What fellowship does God have with Belial? And he's speaking of his union with you. You're so, this, this scripture's coming to mind, you're so united with him that Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, just before, uh, uh, I think it's, it's, it's where he's talking about uniting the temple of the Lord with a prostitute. You know that text? It talks about becoming one with him. It's, it, he is so entrenched in your life that whatever you experience, he experiences. But he experiences from his perspective. <laughs> And so you can grieve him, you can, you, can, you can move him. And all I'm saying is that you can be aware of his presence in your life. You can be aware that he is in you and with you, which is amazing. Is that amazing? It's amazing. So um, you can, uh, I, love, I love asking Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit, what do you feel about, and then I'll mention a person. I, I do it with my wife who just left. Um, what do you feel about her? She's gone. Uh, but, but like asking if I'm having an issue with, not necessarily my wife, but if I'm having an issue with a friend or someone that I'm working really closely with and it's eating me, you know how I can get like gnaw in your crawl? You're like, this person's driving me crazy. Have you ever had that? Am I alone? Oh my gosh. It happens a lot. And so what I have to do though, what I have to do is I sit with the Lord and I say, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And one of the ways he gives me freedom, I say, Holy Spirit, how do you feel about that person? And when I tap into the Holy Spirit's emotion for them, it puts me on a plane to look at them differently and to approach them differently than my frustration. It has delivered me from a lot of people. <laughs> Just being real. It's delivered me from myself. In fact, this week, I'm not going to share that, but I asked the Holy Spirit, I asked the Holy Spirit, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, what do you think of me? I was just kind of this kind of place, and I was like, what do you think of me? And all of a sudden, like, what he showed me, I was like, no, no, I was embarrassed, you know, I was like, there's no way you think that. And I saw him, he was like, yes, I think that about you. And all of a sudden, I like got up from the chair, and I was like, dang, wow. I'm a big deal, you know, like, you're like, uh, you're like possessed with something. You're like, dude, do you know what the Holy Spirit thinks about me? It's like, man, if we can grasp that, it's like, we get a renewed mind towards ourself. In fact, many of you, that's a good, that's a word right there. Just Lord, what do you think of me? What do you think of me? (laughs) He loves you. He loves to talk about you. Another one. Oh, another one's awesome. Holy Spirit. What do you think of Jesus? How do you feel about Jesus? And man, you he's just like so excited just to be asked questions and just to listen. 
People are like, I don't hear God's voice. Well, ask him questions and then listen. So, um, so he has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions, Holy Spirit. Uh, my favorite scripture about Holy Spirit is John 14, 16. I believe this is uh, Jesus. You know, it says, for the joy set before him. I, we can interpret that a number of ways. Uh, I've heard it talked about a lot. The joy set before Jesus and him and during the cross. I think one of the joys that was set before him, John 14, 16, is that he would go to the Father. Imagine this picture of Jesus the Son who's just been crucified, died, sent by God to the earth to rescue all of his just broken, hurting, dead kids. He accomplishes that. He comes with the wounds and he approaches the Father and he says, Father, you sent me. You sent me. And so now I'm asking you, Father, will you send another? Will you send the helper? that he would be with them forever. He's still praying that prayer today. Lord, send the spirit into that man. Send the spirit into that woman. They need you. If you read three verses earlier, this is about prayer. I believe this is how God answers every one of your prayers. You wonder how God answers prayers? He'd write here, Lord, I need, Lord, help, Lord. Sends the Holy Spirit. Sends the Holy Spirit. Sends the Holy Spirit. This another Another, in the Greek, where it says that he may give you another, he wants to say another. In the Greek, it's alos, A-L-L-O-S. This is what it means in the Greek. It means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. That is, Jesus is a savior from guilt of sin. The Holy Spirit is savior who saves us from the power of sin. And the word helper, I'm not going to get into helper, but helper is parkalitos, and it, it it, it, it can be translated a number of ways. Counselor, comforter, encourager, or helper. Um, and this one translator, the Passion Translator, y'all ever read the Passion Bible? It's rocking. Um, but he depicts it as, uh, as Savior. Another Savior, that the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a Savior for us. He empowers that. Not that Christ, Christ is our Savior, but Holy Spirit comes to actually activate those things that he saved us from. He, he redeems us from the curse. Um, so I want to, I want to give you, uh, I want to, want to give you how the Holy Spirit helps you. I, I've, I, I took the liberty to do this. You, I labored here, but look, I wrote 50 things the Holy Spirit does. I'm gonna do it quick. Oh my gosh, that is so small. So the Spirit convicts the world. <laughs> I gotta go back to the laser. Hey, look at that thing. Anyone see that? Can you see that? You got glasses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can. Okay. So look at this. The Spirit convicts. Now, now I, I think many times people miss. I'm just going to talk about this one, and then I'm going to run through the list. I think many people misrepresent this first one, that the Holy Spirit convicts. Because when we think of convict, we think of wrongdoing. Do we not? It's like, if you're convicted, that means you're going to do time. But, but one, of the, one of the other ways that you could say this is that the Holy Spirit convinces. That the Holy Spirit convinces and he convinces of three things. To the world and the unbelieving, he convinces them of their sin and their need for a savior. That's how it all starts out. Holy Spirit, you need a savior. That's the Holy Spirit's work. No matter who you know needs a savior, you can trust that the Holy Spirit will reveal that to them in time. So you pray for those more than you do argue with them. Amen? So um, he convicts of sin. And then uh, he, he also convinces us of Jesus' righteousness. So once you see... Uh, see your need for sin, you see that Jesus is in right standing, and then you see yourself in Jesus, that you're in right standing with God. So the Holy Spirit will convince you of Jesus's righteousness and your righteousness. The Holy Spirit will convince you of your righteousness. I believe that many of you that are struggling with sin, guilt, condemnation, it's not a sin problem, it's a righteousness problem. There's righteousness that lives inside of you, and you're wrestling with righteousness. You think you're wrestling with sin, but you're actually wrestling with the convincing of Holy Spirit that you're in right standing with God in light of what you're doing. That's crazy to think about. That's, that's how Holy Spirit deals with believers. He's pushing and forcing us into the righteousness that Christ purchased for us because he who knew no sin became sin so that you could be the righteousness of God. So Holy Spirit is aware of that and he's just 
almost like wrestling that into you through your struggle. That if you can see that you're righteous before the Father in spite of what you have done because Jesus accomplished all, something comes alive. And then the last thing, and this is something I want to talk about in the coming days, is, uh, uh, is judgment. That the enemy has been judged. The enemy is under your feet. The enemy has been rendered powerless. The enemy has. And man, I have seen the enemy moving in our body and families. And I'm tired of it. We're going to take the next couple of weeks and we're going to lift the battle standard of the Lord and what Christ has accomplished for us because we're standing with families that are getting diagnoses of cancer. I don't believe cancer is of God. I don't believe cancer has anything to do with God. I don't believe God, God wills cancer, causes cancer. He desires people to have cancer. Cancer is an enemy of God. And we as God's people need to forcefully go after cancer and believe that this will be a cancer-free family. And when I hear of, I, I, when I hear of, when I hear of it, when I hear of it, I, I, I just feel like fear wants to knock on the doors of people's hearts and say, well, it's happening to them. Couldn't it happen to you? And we need a revelation of what Christ has done in us and what Christ has purchased for us. And I'm going to lift up that above these families that have cancer. We need to pray for Eddie Plemons. Eddie got a... God, Eddie, Eddie was released Thursday. Eddie was our children's minister. He was released Thursday uh, on hospice with this cancer. Um, we need to be praying for Eddie. I was with him and Margaret. Margaret. Margaret is an amazing woman. I think Lindsay's here. Is Lindsay here? Did I see Lindsay? But she's next door. Of course she is. Um, but we just need to raise the, the, the standard over Eddie and Margaret and believe that Jesus heals stage four cancer. Yeah. I just believe it. There's another family that was diagnosed with, uh, just got a horrible diagnosis this week, and we're going to stand with that family. And we're going to come into communion and understand the power of communion, the power of the blood, the power of the body. It's the meal that heals. We're going to go after that in the month of June. Just convicted of it. Like, I want to aggressively go after this. Um, Michael Malden's uh, family, what they're going through. Uh, It's just horrific. This is a war. This is a battle. But we need to know that our enemy has been dethroned, defeated. And that we are forcefully advancing the kingdom of heaven on the earth violently, according to Matthew 11. Are you following me? So, okay, I, that's the only one I wanted to talk about. So let me, let me go through this real quick. The Spirit guides, the Spirit regenerates, the Spirit glorifies, the Spirit reveals Christ. The Spirit uh, leads us, the Spirit sanctifies us, the Spirit empowers us, the Spirit fills us, the Spirit teaches us. The Spirit bears witness in us. The Spirit produces in us fruit and evidence. The Spirit distributes. The Spirit anoints. The Spirit washes. The Spirit brings unity and oneness. The Spirit, he brings a guarantee and a deposit. The Spirit seals us. The Spirit sets us free. The Spirit quickens us. The Spirit reveals the deep things of God. The Spirit reveals Uh, what's been given to us. The Spirit dwells within you. The Spirit speaks to. He speaks in and he speaks through you. The Spirit is God's agent that you're baptized into the body of Christ. The Spirit brings liberty. The Spirit transforms. The Spirit cries out. The Spirit enables. The Spirit supplies. The Spirit grants. The Spirit gives access to. The Spirit makes us corporately God's habitation. The Spirit reveals. The Spirit strengthens. The Spirit enables. The Spirit enables us to know, enables us to obey. The Spirit confesses that Jesus is Christ, came in the flesh. The Spirit says, come Lord Jesus. The Spirit dispenses God's love. The Spirit bears witness. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit gives us joy. The Spirit enables. The Spirit moves. The Spirit knows all things. The Spirit casts out demons. The Spirit brings things to remembrance. The Spirit comforts us, and the Spirit makes some overseers in the church. The Spirit does a lot. Is that awesome? So I got to, I'm going to, I'm going to land it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to land it. Go to the next list. This is how the spirit helps us. These are all verbs associated with Holy Spirit. I don't know if you need any of these things, but if you do, I have good news. Jesus has sent a helper for you. The Holy Spirit guides, reveals, leads, empowers, fills, teaches, testifies, produces, distributes, anoints, washes, renews, unifies, frees, steals, guarantees, quickens, dwells, speaks to, speaks through, transforms, cries, grants, grunts, I think that's, supposed. no, grants, cries grants, he does grunt too, that's what I'm really familiar with of late, oh, but, uh, right brother, all right, so he, 
He cries, he grants, he supplies, he gives access, strengthens, enables, confesses Jesus, moves, knows all things, casts out demons, remembers, appoints, just to name a few. You have a helper named Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Is that good? So um, the last thing that I, I wanted to share, and I'm not going to go into depth to this. I'm going I'm to land it right here. But it's, it's, so we just looked at John 14, 16. It says that I'll send another helper, and he'll be with you forever. But there's two ways that you know Holy Spirit. We don't talk a lot about this, but it's in John uh, 14, verse 17. Uh, these are two ways that the Holy Spirit manifests in your life. It's the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him, so the world does not know him. The world cannot receive him because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because, now this is really important. If I was in my Bible, I'd circle because two reasons that you know Holy Spirit. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So there's two forms, two expressions of Holy Spirit. There's the in you and there's the with you. Those are two degrees of intimacy or two types of intimacy with Holy Spirit and how we know him. Now, the in you, the primary way Holy Spirit is in you and it's expressed is through the fruits of Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five talks about the fruits of Holy Spirit. The fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things Holy Spirit puts within you. So when life takes a bite out of you, if you bite into an apple, what are you going to taste? An apple. So if the Holy Spirit is in you and someone bites into your life, they're going to taste these things. These things dwell in you. If you're a parent, no, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he will give you patience. That's really important. It's not your patience, it's his patience. He bears this in you. And it's just a recognizing this, that we know him because of these things. Oh, wait a second. I know Holy Spirit because when my kids start to pull and file at my soul late at night, I know Holy Spirit because all of a sudden I'm overcome with patience and love for them and I can actually sit and engage them as a father should engage their kids because I need Holy Spirit to parent my kids. We, we just have access to him internally. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that's the in you. And then one of the things that's been very, very, uh, I believe, uh, understated in the church is the with you presence. And we actually centered our church around this, that his presence transforms lives, the with you presence. And the with you shows up primarily, uh, I, there's a number of ways that it can, can show up, but I, I would point to the gifts as a way that, that, that the with you presence comes. And the gifts, these are just a few that I found. Healings, affecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, administrations, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, dreams, visions, deliverance, acts of power. Those are the with you manifestations of Holy Spirit. And those are the things I believe that the early church was built upon. The acts of Holy Spirit among God's people. And we need to return to that. Is that cool? Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit Europe.org.